can't believe that we have made it to the 50th episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. When I first launched this podcast in July of 2022, I had no idea how this would make such a big impact in the elementary STEM community. Not only am I able to help teachers like you with their elementary STEM journey, but I've also been able to make some awesome connections with a lot of you and other people who are supportive of STEM education. Thank you so much for being here in this journey, and I look forward to even more episodes of this podcast and how it grows from here. In turn, I have a special guest to celebrate this 50th episode. We have today Aaron Shepard, who is a software engineer at NASA Goddard, and we had an awesome discussion about his journey into his career, his passion for STEM, and also how to get kids involved. Aaron first fell in love with science while watching astronauts blast off in the space shuttle. He dreamed of one day building cool technology while floating in a lab in space. Later down the road, after briefly attending medical school, Aaron decided to chase his childhood dream of working in the space industry. He graduated from Clemson University in 2022 and has since joined the flight dynamics team at NASA Goddard. Aaron currently develops orbital tracking procedures for the Roman Space Telescope, which is scheduled to launch in 2026. This is such a fun episode, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. We had a great time chatting. And again, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. All right, Erin. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to chat with you. I have met your wife through some fun business connections and then she was telling me what you do with kids. And I was like, okay, I have to have your husband, Erin, here on this podcast. And I didn't have you tell me too much before we started recording because I want to hear it as it comes. And so I'm so excited to chat with you today. And I know the other teachers and the STEM community are going to learn a lot from you. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, your journey to NASA, and then what inspired you with the role that you have. Okay. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Um, My name is Aaron, and I am currently working as a software engineer at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Um, In particular, I am on the flight dynamics team for the Roman Space Telescope, which is supposed to be the successor to the Hubble and will hopefully launch, fingers crossed, in 2026. Um, My job is to make sure that it doesn't get lost in space on the way out. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, if it gets lost, it's like... Space junk. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of my fault if it gets lost. Well, yeah, my journey to NASA has been quite an interesting one. I grew up like every other kid, I was like, oh, I want to go to space. I want to, you know, be an astronaut. I want to, you know, make all the cool stuff that we send out to like Mars and Pluto or, or wherever. And I guess where my story gets interesting is that I grew up 
in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And that was right around the time when they canceled the shuttle program. So hmm. when they canceled the shuttle program, I kind of bought into all the hype. Everybody in the news is like, oh, they're canceling the shuttle program. There's not going to be a NASA. Like space oh. is not the industry. It's not going to exist in five, 10 years. So uh, kind of, I, I like, I remember like when that announcement came out in school, because like, I was just like staring at the tile, like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my oh, life? Oh no. <laughs> uh, so I kind of did, uh, kind of lived a whole other, another life before like space and NASA. Um, I have a lot of doctors in my family. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that. So yeah. graduated, went to college, uh, did my MCATs, got into med school. And then I remember oh, wow. like literally being in med school, like in a class, and I was like not paying attention at all. And I was watching uh, one of the n- announcements. Um, the European Space Agency had just like landed on a comet. And they were sending back like pictures and videos. So I was like, I want to do that with my life. So, so cool. Uh, needless to say, uh, that was sort of a very long, very introspective journey. Dropped out of med school. That was fun to explain to my parents. My mom was <laughs> like, you doing what? I was like, don't worry, Ma. I got it. I'm going to take it. it. It's all good. Dropped out of med school. Uh, went back, did another degree in engineering, was in school for six years. And then while I was in school, I just, I got really lucky. I had people to help me. I had people that believed in me. So I started, I worked at NASA for three summers while I was a student. And then after I graduated, um, about six months after I graduated, no, oh no, not even six months after I graduated. I graduated in May and then I got my job in like mid-June. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, and I didn't. I did not think that it was going to work out the way it did. But that's that's the journey, and I guess I guess that it was one of those things that was meant to be. So now yeah. I'm living the dream and doing what five year old me wanted to do. I uh, was just going to say, like little Aaron would be so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, little Aaron. Little Aaron is looking at Big Aaron like, all right, you're you're pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh, honestly. To be a part of the space program and to hopefully be a part of something that goes up is one of, I think, the greatest honors in my professional life because not too many people can say that they've done that. So I'm yeah. really just, it, it's its not anything that I take for granted. Let's, let's put it like that. Oh, yeah. It's so amazing. Like that, it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of collaboration and all your hard work has definitely paid off and that, and it's, just a slow go too. It's not that instant gratification too. I mean, you said 2026. So all of this work and you're just hoping that it will work. Like that's the ultimate STEM project right there. So I, I'm hoping in 2026, I'll keep my eyes out <laughs> for your guys' <laughs> project. Uh, I love space. I never wanted to be an astronaut, but I just am very interested by space. I actually just finished um, a space unit with my K-5 kids. So we talked about Earth and space in lots of different ways. Um, fourth grade, we were talking about space junk. We were talking about light pollution in fifth grade, but um, I'm just so fascinated by it. And we haven't have a solar system hanging up and the kids are super into it. And it's just so cool. Like, who knows? Maybe one of them or a few of them are little errands and they tell me they want to work for NASA or be an astronaut. And I'm like, hey, you can do anything. There's we need you. <laughs> we need you. So it's just, I'm so excited to get into um, just more of what you do. So when it comes to NASA, what does the typical day look like for you? Um, so what's interesting is that I'm actually working remote. So the typical day uh, looks like 
I wake up. Um, it depends. Usually I try to be up around eight o'clock and I try to clock in around eight thirty or nine. And then I could it, it NASA is a very team oriented organization. So I'm in a lot of meetings. Hmm. Um, I would say I have a meeting or two just about every day, Monday through Thursday. Oh, wow. And then it just depends. Um, on what phase of the project we're in. So I work again with software, so I could be writing new procedures. I could be debugging and troubleshooting old procedures, or um, right now, currently we're in a documentation phase. So I'm writing a document. I'm writing the documentation for all of the programs to explain, Oh, this is how you run them. So that way anybody can look at them and be like, Oh, I just need to press this button and that button. And um, what these programs will do is the idea is that they'll pull in tracking data and then, long story short, when we're putting the telescope in the same place that James Webb is in, so at that Lagrange point, and so that means we can see it from Earth constantly. We have something called the Deep Space Network. So it's a we have stations in California, in Spain, in Japan, and in Australia. And at, so... They're all over the globe. And at one point, any of those stations can see the telescope because, again, the globe is spinning. And so what we're doing is we're looking at as the telescope is flying overhead of the station, it's pinging where it is to get its location. Oh, and then cool. we're running programs to predict its orbit and where it might go in the next. Uh, we can do anything from three days to two years. Oh, oh, that's a huge span. <laughs> yeah, so. Obviously, like as you go out further, it gets a little bit more inaccurate, but it's just to give us an idea. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that I wrote that was really cool is um, when we launch it out, where it'll be within range of a network of tracking satellites that we have. So I wrote the procedure to tell the tracking satellites where to look as the telescope launches out so that way it can, they can guess where it's going to be. Oh, wow. And so... If something happens at launch, because of course I'm going to watch the launch, and I'm like, if something happens within the first few days, I'm going to be like, oh, oh that's I wrote wrong. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, it's a team effort, guys. It's te we're team oriented. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's definitely um, again, my day can look like a bunch of different things, and then occasionally I actually get to go up to visit the center for testing or for tours. Um, I got to actually see the telescope being built in the clean room. And that's oh. like really cool. It's, it's massive. It's, yeah. it's probably like 30, 45 feet tall. Like it's just, it's big. Whoa, that's so cool. And like with your experience too, like, would you say, like looking back as a kid, did you have experiences you think that helped you do what you do today? Like you, your adult life for sure. But you're doing so much of collaborating, problem solving, critical thinking in your daily life. Do you think you had a lot of those experiences as a kid that helped you? Uh, yeah, from a from a soft skill. So like collaborating mm -hmm. and problem solving. Definitely. I, I come from a really big family. And so you you got to learn how Same. to say what you need and you got to learn how to work with other people and get along. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm the oldest of five, so I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I, so um, definitely that. And then from just technical skills, like I was always, a, I was always a big nerd. So I was playing video games all the time. I was working on computers. I was, you know, building stuff, breaking stuff, all that. So I, I really think that that, if anything, it just gives you a mindset of mm -hmm. uh, 
analytical problem solving. Like I definitely, because I have broken so many things, I just yeah. understand the process of navigating problems. Yeah, no, that's good. I think you, and it doesn't always work the first time. And I'm sure you see that in your job. Like you have a lot of um, iteration and you're going back and you have to make sure like, it's so different doing anything like a program or whatever, but having to write it out explicitly for somebody else, I'm sure you see, oh, ooh, that's not good. Or that won't make sense to somebody else. So that's so important too. Like I see that with kids and I think that's so important why we have STEM because kids will get frustrated. It doesn't work the same the first time. Like, hey, it doesn't always work the first time. It doesn't even work the 20th time. No. And that's how life goes. And they get sad that their project isn't the perfect thing by Friday. I'm like, that's how it goes. Let's wag your hair. Um, so definitely when you mentioned those soft skills, I totally agree with you. That's really what we're teaching. And really, and you probably see that too, when you work with kids, um, how important those soft skills are. So I'm so glad you mentioned that and you're using it in your real job. <laughs> so yes, yeah. So speaking of what you've done, your wife tells me you went to Jamaica recently and I don't I know what, how that all went down, but I know it involves STEM. So what were you doing out in Jamaica? Um, so I was part of a program called Passage and it's a really, really cool program. It was started by one of my friends and his mission is to fly different classroom supplies and science supplies to various countries throughout Latin America and the Caribbean. So he was in the Bahamas. Uh, he was in Jamaica. I think he's currently in Colombia right now. And then he goes to like Chile, Argentina. Whoa. And it's a big thing. Like uh, the program is involved with local government. So while we were there in Jamaica, we actually met and had like a 45 minute to an hour conversation with the minister, the ministry of education. Like I got to meet the minister of education wow. in Jamaica and we had an incredible conversation about how we could leverage modern technology mm. to solidify uh, Jamaica's place as a tech hub in the Caribbean. We got to meet with the U.S. Embassy. We got to meet with uh, multiple universities, some high schools. I think the Aeronautical Institute of the West Indies. Like it was a, it was a pretty cool experience. Oh, did you know you're going to meet all these people when you went down there? You're like, oh, oh, hello, oh, hello, oh, okay, <laughs> you're high up there. <laughs> yeah, we knew. I think everybody knew. But nobody realized how much gravity or weight this project would have because, again, we in on the Jamaica leg, these were real conversations like this was a oh, like that's a really cool policy that we can implement later kind of thing. It wasn't at, at first it was at first it was pleasantries and, you know, hi, yes, I'm so and so and this is so and so. But as time went on, like it it, it really evolved and. After we walked outside that meeting with the minister of education, we were like, Whoa. <laughs> hey, this is a thing. Um, and yeah. even now, like the, uh, the government of Colombia is like interested. The government of Colombia is promoting the project. And so this is, this is going to carry weight. And hopefully yeah. um, for this, this idea for my friend will be something that propagates throughout the years. So I'm really excited to see what, that is going to evolve into, and hopefully I'm excited to continue being a part of it. Cause again, it was so much fun. We did meetings, we did workshops. I, I got to surround myself, uh, 
I, I like to do a lot of robotics workshops with the kids and get them all like excited and yelling. And I, so it's just such good energy. I, I really enjoyed that trip. And it's part of, for me, it's why I do what I do. Like at the end of the day, I chose this for a reason. And it's because it's, it's to inspire and to plant trees whose shade I will probably never see, but that's okay. How do the kids respond seeing these types of technologies? Is it often their first time or how do they react? Like what kind of robots do you do with them? That's a lot of questions I just asked you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in general, so outside of the technology that I do, for example, while we were in Jamaica, we did stargazing events. And the last few nights have been great because it's been a full moon. Uh, There's been Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, like so much to see. And for a lot of people on the island, that was their first time ever looking through a telescope. So watching that was just. Oh, that's cool. I just got chills. That's amazing. Yeah, it's. um, And again, like you don't really think about it until you see it, because it's like this is a telescope. I've got two. I've you know, these are things that you are normal to you. But when you realize that it's the first time for somebody else and you're watching, them, you go, oh, my gosh, like they can see like the moons of Jupiter and the clouds uh, and you can see the rings on Saturn and people are it's a it's a very powerful thing to witness. I've never seen that. So I think I would have the same reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a actually the first time I looked at Jupiter, I saw the the bright red spot. And I was like, oh, it, it's like that's a thing like that's that's there like i didn't even like i you know you see the pictures of it yeah. in books but it's like oh like th- there it is oh that's cool oh my gosh i can i can only imagine especially with kids too like they wouldn't i mean without so much things they see on the screen like that's amazing to see in real life so was it just like that the whole time with the workshops too just interacting with all of the supplies did you just see that same sort of excitement yes yes um and then, so usually um, when I, I do a lot of robotics work because the robots are just awesome. Mm-hmm. They are. And in particular, I do, um, I call them like my telekinetic mind controlled robots. I have these headsets. Um, they can pick up like how you're thinking. Like it's not, it's very broad. What? It's not like, it's not, it can't realize that you're thinking cat, but it can like, it can measure if you're really concentrated or if you feel relaxed. And so then. I have those headsets mapped to the robot. And so you can drive the robot thinking one way and it, you can send it <laughs> in one direction. Then you can send it back in the other ones. And like, usually when I see that kids are like, but the, the, the look is always like, <laughs> what? And then when they do it, they're just like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Your face right now. People can see what your face. That's so funny. They're just like, no way. I, be too so what does the robot do if you're confused just goes in circles <laughs> it just it, it'll stop or it'll like go it'll like go one way than the other like it's a, it's actually like if you've seen star wars it's good like jedi mind training where yeah. you're like, all right i gotta really think about this it's a it's such a cool experience and so this is something that i've been toying with for years and so i've been demoing it uh probably about six years now and like i've done it done it a whole bunch of kids always love it Every year, I'm like, should I do something else? And then people are like, no, d- no, just keep doing that. I'm like, all right, that's what you want. I mean, I, okay, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, we don't do that in class. I don't know. I've heard of any STEM teachers. If I'm wrong, please message me. But I haven't heard of any STEM teachers doing that in class. 
I don't think we have the robots and the capability for it. We probably don't have the funding, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not a really? terribly expensive thing. I mean, I can uh, probably about maybe three, four hundred total for everything. Okay, that's actually really good. Yeah. So I mean, and then I've built my own versions for on like probably like two fifty, three hundred, like parts, everything. But then a lot of it was me like figuring things out and like having to go to the manufacturer and be like, Hey, what's your, what's your Bluetooth protocol? Like, what do, how do I interface? Like I've, and people are very nice. Usually if you ask and you tell them what you're doing, they're like, Oh yeah, sure. That's how you do it. Um, but yeah, it's, um, my philosophy with STEM has always been to, I'm going for the, I'm going for the wow factor. Like I'm going mm-hmm. for the thing that makes you go, I didn't even know this was possible. Mm-hmm. And then the wow factor for me, because like the reality of what we do and our field is that, you know, it's like you've sat through math class. It's boring. Sometimes you're like, mm-hmm. so if you go for the wow factor, and this is what I tell kids, it's like, it's the, it's the payoff for doing all of the work. So if you sit through, you pay attention to like the math and the physics and all that other stuff where you're like, yeah, I don't really care. That knowledge allows you to make the really cool stuff like a flamethrower that I might be building. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sure the kids love you. And that's a great point, too. That's a great way to say it. I was talking to some kids um, at school the other day, and it made me so sad. I'm like, what are your favorite subjects? I don't know how we're talking about what your favorite subjects were. I don't really ask that question. But anyway, they were saying that science is boring. Not STEM, not my class. Okay, that's the whole other thing. They didn't say my class, but science. I'm like, that makes me so sad to hear that. And they were in second grade and they're all, yeah, it's boring. We just watch videos. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So yeah, I definitely agree with that wow factor and exposing kids to a lot of different things. All of my units are completely different because you never know what a kid is going to connect with. Some kids might like robots, some might like building with makerspace, some might like my STEM survival camp unit. So you never know what they're going to connect with. So I totally agree. The more obscure, the better, because there's usually no background knowledge, which is great because they have they have to learn <laughs> to. Yeah. So I love how that's a great philosophy, like the wow factor. I love that. Do you so do you do the mind control robots with kids? Do you do other things in the community to help support STEM education? Um, so for the past few years, it's been, I've done like different talks. I usually will do anything from like overview of robotics. Um, I run a TikTok account. And so I'll do crazy things on that. One video that like went really, really viral (laughs) was, uh, I don't know if you remember the Oscars, but you know, when Will Smith did the, did the slap thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, Broke it down, like got out the physics, calculated like how how hard it was. And it was one of those things where like it went viral. My mom called me. She was like, did you do that? I was like, yes, mom. She was like, that's hilarious. And so many comments because I, I, I do try to go through my comments. So many comments were like, wow, like I didn't even know. Like I'm going to pay attention in class now. Like this is awesome. And that's what I'm going for. That's so... Okay, I'm going to have to find that. And then I'm going to link it in the show notes for this episode. And then we'll... Then I can watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely... I'll, I'll send it to you. But I'm always looking for anything that I do. Like sometimes it's sometimes it's hands-on. Sometimes it's just talks. Um, I've done everything from talks on robots to 
uh, talk, like I've done talks on like all the African-American astronauts. It, it just really depends. But my bigger kind of overarching goal, like the thing that is pushing why I do what I do is that I want to promote science literacy and science appreciation. Mm. So I'm not an artist, but I have an appreciation for art. I can look at it. I can understand the basic themes. Like I'm sure you've done the same thing where like you've gone to the museum and you can be like, oh, well, this is a, this is impressionalism or this is a representation of the blah, blah, blah that happened so-and-so time ago. But it, it just helps to shape a broader mind. And that was really like, I really noticed that during the pandemic when mm. we were not a scientifically literate society and we we paid for it. So that's mm. when I was like, okay, like, like let's let's kind of personalize science. Let's make it something that people are at least familiar with. I'm not saying that every kid has to be a scientist, mm-hmm. but every kid should be able to look at science and be like, oh, okay, and and have a profound respect for it. Oh, absolutely. All of my STEM lessons actually start with the science concepts and then weave in everything else because that's just how you, we talk about we're exploring the world in different ways and it's super important. And yeah, this is just part of just you being a human. So that's really great. And that's funny too about the art that I was just talking about this with my fiance this morning. He teaches high school Spanish, so completely different. And he was, he's teaching about art right now and Spanish. And this is so horrible. I was like, why do you even teach that anyway? (laughs) I didn't really like that comment, but he said exactly what you were saying, like, just to be a more well-rounded and you know, and he's like, because I've taught you, you know what a Botero is and what it's showing. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So I probably shouldn't have said that. It wasn't very nice to me, but it was 5 a.m. in the morning. So I wasn't very happy. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, I think I tell um, all of Alexis's teacher friends this, but uh, one year, you know, back, especially when I was young and I just like was a little bit more, you know, I'd, I had a little bit more spunk to me and I would just kind of, I hadn't really been broken in yet. <laughs> I don't know what we were talking about, but. I think I got upset or something. And I was like, so what? You teachers get summers off anyway. Like, why are you complaining? Yeah. I Her head whipped around so fast. And I was like, I, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You know what else? Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other, that's a whole podcast in itself. Oh, those are fighting <laughs> words. I, I quickly realized that. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> like, if you could have seen the look on her face, I was like, I was scared for me. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> so, well, we know what not to say to teachers, but do you have any um, advice for kids or teachers that could be separate or the same to help encourage them to help dream big, whether it is in STEM? You've, you have great philosophies in STEM in general, and um, I hope people reach out to you. But what advice do you have? I'm a... This just comes from my own personal philosophy. I am a big picture, then details kind of dude. And so whenever I'm like trying to teach something or like when it comes to the subject of teaching STEM, I'm always thinking about the applications because at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, that's what we're really in it for. I don't really care about Pythagorean theorem just for Mm -hmm. the sake of it. I mean, there are some people that do and that's great and they make great mathematicians and yeah, I understand that if I know Pythagorean theorem, then I can, you know, write this control policy for my spider robot, because guess what? It makes a big triangle. And so I can model it that way. You know, I may not necessarily, 
I don't really care about differential equations for the sake of differential equations, but mm -hmm. if I'm modeling a spacecraft that's coming in the atmosphere and it's got to break and land, otherwise you lose this billion dollar probe, then all of a sudden my interest in my investment is hiked up a little bit more. So I'm always like, start with the end and then build out from there. Mm. Um, when I am teaching STEM, when I, when I think about teaching STEM, I'm always focused on the applications first because mm -hmm. that's what creates the investment and that's what makes it stick to people or stick with people. I think that's really great advice and just that we're not doing arts and crafts all day, that there is that real world application. And even if it, even that, if that application is simple, thinking about a five-year-old, that's going to look way different than with a high school um, teacher, but all kids can learn. They're all capable. There's applications to everything that we're doing, everything we're teaching, but there's so much in STEM. And I think just how STEM education is evolving in the elementary space, just taking it to the next level, having it be rooted in science and math and engineering concepts where we're not just playing with Legos today <laughs> or we're, oh, we're just building with blocks. Like there is a purpose behind, there, there's so much opportunity and just bigger picture as to what we're doing. So I think that's really good advice. So coming from someone who works at NASA and you apply these skills, that's really good to hear. That's something definitely as us as teachers, especially the STEM space should be doing. So um, yours, I could talk to you all day and you can get Alexis back on. No, just kidding. Um, no, but um, where could teachers find and connect with you? You have a bunch of places they can reach out. Uh, yeah, all my handles are the same. Uh, it's at Space Cadet Shep. Um, that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know if I'm going to stay on Twitter too much longer, but that's another uh, conversation <laughs> in and of itself. But yes, I I try to make myself pretty available. And again, my thing is my big thing in STEM with teachers, with students is applications and then collaboration. Like at the end mm. of the day, like this is a science is a it is a collaborative process. Um, I think the the image of like the lone dude in his garage or <laughs> first of all, that's not that's inaccurate for numerous reasons. One, it doesn't have to be a dude. It can be it can be a woman It you know, a scientist can look so many ways, but then too, it's a very like group oriented collaborative project. And so again, I'm just about connecting and building the community and just even being a conduit to other people in the community or like the passage program where like, they're literally some of the best and brightest people in the business of mm -hmm. STEM and science communication. And so just being able to bridge all that together is, that's my MO. Oh, I love it. It's super inspiring. And I appreciate doing what you're doing and supporting STEM and just helping just bring that to light. And um, we need more people like you out there, Erin. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. I know other teachers are going to love hearing from you. There's so many great, I was taking notes the whole time. So thank you so much again for your time. And we'll chat soon. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. It was it's always so much fun to do things like this. And yes, I I have enjoyed every second of it. And I just I love talking STEM. I love the education part of it, the technical part, love it all. Like it's it's so incredible. Same here. I could do it all day. And I've been a pretty much do, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. <laughs> yes, thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to elementarystemcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, naomimeredith.com to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources, or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.